We want to welcome you to the Bible teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church, where our desire is to honor God by faithful obedience to His Word. If you want to understand the Bible better, please continue to listen as Pastor Matt Postiff explains and applies the biblical text one verse at a time. You can reach us with questions or for more teaching audio and print material at our website, fbcaa.org. You can also watch our services live at fbcaa.org live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Join us now as Pastor Postiff opens God's Word. We looked at uh, how to do some in-depth Bible study last time, just very briefly talking about what the relationship is between sentences and other sentences and clauses and other clauses and phrases and other phrases and all that sort of stuff. So we're going to look some more at that today. I'd like to uh, offer prayer, though, at first. Is there anything that uh, you'd like us to join you in prayer about today? Oh, yeah. Uh huh. Oh, that's interesting. Uh huh. Okay. Nice. Very good. Using the segue to help mobility. Yeah. Of course, we must do that. Anybody else? So we will pray about that building maintenance issue, which has been a bedeviling problem this past week. So I can talk to you more about it offline if you're interested to know the details. All right, let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for allowing us to be here today. Help us to think uh, deeply about how to understand the meaning of words that you've written to us. I pray for Ayana today, and uh, we pray most uh, especially for her soul for her spiritual condition. We're mindful also of her physical condition, which has been very difficult of late. Thank you, though, that she's had some progress in uh, mobility and um, being able to get out and do things. Lord, may she, uh, in her going out and her coming in, acknowledge the Lord every step of the way. Lord, we also pray for this building maintenance issue that has been troubling us, and we ask that you would uh, help that to get resolved, uh, the water to be pumped out, the hole to be filled, the sidewalk to be put back, the pavement and the or the uh, asphalt for the parking lot as well. And uh, we just uh, wait with patience what you'll do with that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, so we I, I mentioned that I had put this sheet on the website last time, but I actually forgot to... Uh, actually do that. I put the link there so you couldn't see it, but um, it is here now in print version for you. I have extra copies. Actually, Dan has them if you would like one. I think uh, maybe we need to get one to the Snowburgers and also to the bushes there in the back. Um, but uh, we looked at the logical relationships that sentences and clauses can um, have to each other, and 
On the front page there is kind of the cheat sheet, if you will, that gives you the uh, different options. There are certainly probably other options, but these are the main ones uh, that we can use. And uh, there are 15 of them, I think. And then at the bottom of that sheet, I've given you the kind of main idea statements that may be kind of top-level statements that are then modified or related to statements in the way that is expressed above. So we gave examples. I give a little more explanation in this set of notes than I did last time. Um, but we give uh, examples of each one of these. For example, on page three of your notes, you'll see the... Uh, the relationship of a series uh, where you have in Scripture a list of things that is in a progression, uh, and it's, it's a prioritized or ordered list, either from greater to lesser or lesser to greater, and the order in this kind of series is important. Some series uh, are not uh, that important. I've given an example of that on bottom of page two and the top of page three, but in this one, um, we mentioned... Uh, the, I think the example from Mark 4, but the other example is uh, in 1 Corinthians 15 where it says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ are all be made alive, but each one in his own order. And here's the series. Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming, that's number two, and then number three is then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father. Um, so that's just an example of a sequence of events that are listed in the order in which they will chronologically occur uh, to help us to understand God's plan for the future. Another example under series progression is, um, or a progressive series, I might call it, God has appointed these in the church. You see that, page three. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. So, that's pretty obvious because it's given with the numbering system there, first, second, third, easy, okay? Again, there are other series that aren't ordered and need not to be ordered. For instance, in Romans and a number of other places, you'll see a list of sins. They're called the sin list passages, Romans 1, 1 Corinthians 6, and a number of others. And uh, I would suggest that those list of sins are just listed in an order that could be swapped or reversed, and it doesn't matter what order that you put them in. Um, there may be, there may be, in some cases, a list in which there is a progression in the sense of, like in Romans 1, the society progresses from one kind of sin, idolatry, you know, forgetting God, idolatry, on down to the sexual immorality. Maybe, but you have to make a an exegetical decision about that when you look at the text and say, okay, do I really think that without explicitly saying so that Paul is putting these into a progressive order and showing us that this is how society degrades? And I'm sympathetic to that view in that kind of passage, for example. However, um, because you have cycles in history, this cycle might repeat itself and then there's an improvement, and then there's a repeat. Like if you have a great awakening and things get much better, then you go back to the beginning of that cycle and things have to degrade farther down. Do you, do you follow me? Um, so you have a, a great degradation in the Middle Ages or the Dark Ages, and then you have the Reformation, so an improvement. Or you have you know, uh, separatists leaving England looking for a place to call home, and they find 
what we now know as America or the United States, and they begin a new uh, society there, and it's kind of good, but then things degrade again. So uh, we can't say that this kind of a monolithic progression that, okay, now we're in the last phase and there's no escaping from that because many societies have been in the last phase, Rome, for example, and get destroyed and then something else comes up in its place. But anyway, hopefully that's understandable. Let's see. We uh, saw some other ones like alternative. Uh, I, can't, I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. I'm going over some of the new examples that I've added to the notes this week. Um, so Christ did not come to destroy but to fulfill. Um, you might call that a negative positive uh, as well, but that's another one of these categories. Uh, let's see, what other interesting ones did I add this time? Um, let me see. <clears throat> oh, I think I mentioned, uh, yeah, so remember last time we looked at blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness? This is at the bottom of page three. Remember that one? Why are people who hunger and thirst for righteousness blessed? Because what? They will be filled. Okay, so there's a blessing stated in the ground or support of that blessing, that which kind of is logically underneath it or before it or the reason why the blessing is true is given second. The ground is given second. But here's a different example. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, this statement, when it says, I, I, I beseech you to present your bodies, it says, I therefore do that. So where's the ground for that uh, beseeching? It came before in chapter 11 or chapters 1 through 11, okay? Based on God's mercies and salvation and justification and forgiveness of sins and all that, that's the ground. So the ground came first, and then the inference came second, okay? So you can have a statement and its support after it or the statement and its support before it. You with me? Just how, how language works. So you have to kind of uh, pay attention to figure out which is which. Um, what else? Uh, look, look, look at number five, purpose. Here's a purpose uh, example on page four, in the middle of page four. Uh, the last example there, let me make sure that you're all with me. You're on page four under number five, purpose. And uh, it says there at the last example, when morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. Okay, that was their intended outcome, their purpose, their intended result of their actions. They wanted to put him to death. Now, when they plotted that, it wasn't necessarily certain that that result was going to take place from their perspective, right? They had a plan. It's like um, when the uh, group of 40 guys got together and said, we're not going to eat or drink until what? We kill Paul. Well, didn't work out so well. So they're still waiting for their next meal <laughs> and their next drink. I think they probably gave up on that vow pretty soon after the 200 soldiers and spearmen and horsemen took Paul away. But... Uh, that was their intended outcome, but it didn't turn out to be the outcome. So that's so a purpose. God does things for a purpose, 
we have purposes, but not always are they carried out or come to fruition. Um, we looked at the conditional clause. That's the if-then. That's pretty easy. Um, Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, then go and sell what you have and give to the poor. If-then. If-then. Or uh, here's an important one, uh, number seven, temporal. We're going to come to a little exercise here, so don't think I'm going to be uh, monopolizing our time here, monologuing my way through the whole message here. Temporal. Uh, count it all joy. What? If? She's corrected me. It's not if, it's when. That's right. This is not a conditional. When you fall in, you know, are you going to fall into trials of temptation? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. So when, that's a temporal clause. So it's, it's helpful to stop and ask yourself when you read it, uh, okay, he's saying count all joy. When? When? At what time? Well, whenever that happens. It's, it's helpful to not just read over that and kind of skip it, but to stop and think. There is a temporal clause He's saying when that happens, and that's going to happen. Um, location, uh, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Okay, That's kind of a spiritual location, not necessarily a physical or geographical location, but where his, where his ministry is at, then there will be liberty, true freedom in Christ. Page 6. Um, we had some comparisons under number 11. I've added some examples there. Uh, under the middle of uh, page 6 there, under number 11, comparison, you'll see as far as the east is from the west, that far, so far, has he removed our transgressions from us. Okay, You with that comparison? That's an important comparison. I mean, you could say... Just, for instance, in your mind, X out the words from, of that sentence up to the word he. Okay? Uh, he removed our transgressions from us. Okay? That's a wonderful truth, isn't it? We can revel in that truth. We can be thankful for that truth. But what color is added to that black and white picture when you say, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us? You see how that elevates and, and extends and strengthens the truth that is said there? Because you don't know how far he's removed your transgressions from you and by not having that, that comparison phrase. With that comparison phrase, you know that they are removed so far away that they become irrelevant to your life, okay? Uh, the negative positive is another one that uh, I, I wanted to make sure we understood. There's kind of the alternatives, this or this, with no value judgment attached, but then there's the negative positive. Uh, do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. So don't do this, but do this. Negative, positive. Don't rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, but share with me in sufferings. Negative, positive. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. I'm on the top of page 7 now. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. 
Okay, often in these kind of prohibition command pairs that occur. Okay. All right. There's a number of other uh, bottom of page seven and uh, top of page eight. There are a number of question-answer examples that I gave. Two new ones, I think. Um, Well, maybe I gave the Romans 6 one before. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How about, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? These are rhetorical questions. The answers are not given, but they're understood. Am I not free? Well, yes, I am free. Uh, Am I not an apostle? Well, yes, I am an apostle. That's the understood answer. Have I not seen our Jesus, our Lord? Yes, I have, he says. Okay, so they're rhetorical questions that are actually making an assertion. He could equally say, I am free, I am an apostle, and I have seen Jesus, our Lord. But why would he put it in the form of a question? Anybody? I wrote an uh, uh, evangelistic letter last night to a man I'm burdened to share with, a, a letter, wrote a two-page letter. And in that letter, I, I presented some of uh, beliefs that I understand that he has. And I asked questions like, if you knew that the Scripture said this instead of what you believe, would you change your view? If you understood the Scripture's this way, would you change? So ask a number of questions. And the purpose of that is to engage the heart and mind of the reader, in my case of the letter I'm trying to evangelize, or in this case, the reader of Scripture, to get them to think. Now, wait a minute. He did see Jesus. Hmm. What does that mean? You know, or, oh, yeah. I see that I've believed X, like I've believed that I can never be sure about my salvation. In fact, I've been told that, I've been told by my quote-unquote church that if I say that I am sure, I'm, I'm accursed. But I see here in 1 John 5, it says, I've written these things to you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you might know that you have eternal life. Hmm. The question gets the person to think. And so it's a rhetorical uh, or literary device to engage the reader. After all, that's what we want to do, right? We want to engage people. So uh, actually at our art fair booth, we're, we're, we're telling people to ask us a question. Did you see that in there? What's the little banner say? Ask me about Jesus. So we're going to have them, you know, sort of, we're having them ask us a question, then we're going to give the answer. And hopefully that, the fact that we've told them to ask a question will engage them just a little extra step of the way. So anyway, um, the power of the, uh, of the question. Um, uh, how about uh, the concession or concessive relationship? Remember that? It says um, there's something that's true, but... Despite the fact that it's true, there's something else that's true that seems kind of opposite or contradictory to it. So Paul says, I intend to, or sorry, Peter says, I intend to remind you of these things even though you already know them. Or 
even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. So you would expect that if they had a ton of witnesses come, you'd find somebody that would have given a decent story about some bad thing that Jesus did. But even though many came, they couldn't come up with anybody. So the even though clause tells us that uh, there's something strange going on uh, with that situation. All right, so let's go to page 9 now. Page 9 should be the last page in your handout, I think, there, uh, because of the way I want to do this exercise. So I want to consider with you 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7. Okay, 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7. So I'm going to have my Bible there, but you can look at the text as I've printed it on page 9 or in, and or your Bible as well. It says in 1 Peter 5, verse 5, I'm going to start in the middle of the verse. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility for, here it is, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Okay, so on my handout there, I started with that under number one. Uh, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you you. Okay, this is an exercise that I did with the men at men's prayer a number of months ago, and I'm using it again with some variation here today. So thinking of those verses now, or those, just those ones that are written on the, on the uh, page here, starting in the middle of that verse, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. I've given a little diagram of it here, a simple diagram. Uh, second line, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Third line, that he may exalt you in due time. Fourth line, casting all your care upon him. Fifth line, for he cares for you. You all with me there? All right, now your thinking caps are on. Turn them into third gear, okay? And let's think about this. What is the relationship of line two to line one? The, the relationship of line two to line one. Okay, let me give you a little uh, hint here or a clue. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to, I've given you space to kind of put a longer answer above, and then at the bottom, I've given a space to summarize our findings, okay? So just with the first clause, let's just start with God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. We're going to just call that our proposition or our truth, okay? That's going to be our main kind of main statement. What is the relationship then between number one and number two? You've got your cheat sheet there. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. That's our main idea. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. What would you say of the connection between the first line and the second? Look at your first page there on your uh, handout and tell me which one of those red uh, you know, letters would you put or what would you say for the connection between verse or line one and line two? What's happening there? Okay, we've got a statement or a proposition in line one, and we're trying to figure out what is the connection between one and two now. Okay. I'm sorry, did somebody say something? Okay, we've got a vote for ground. 
Okay, does anybody have another one or a, a second or a third on that motion? <laughs> you like that, Jeff? Is that good? Okay. Does the supporting statement come first or second in this case, if that's a ground? Josh says it comes first. When you have a therefore, therefore is, is, is a second, right? It's going to be the consequence or the inference from the ground, okay? So when you have a ground, what is the ground telling you? What, what, what are we, uh, let me see if I can say that a different way. A ground is a reason or a cause or an argument why that second line or that, that, uh, that first line rather, sorry, the, hit the ground. Wait a minute. Which is the ground and which is the consequence of the ground? Josh, straighten me out on that. Yep. That's right. Okay, so number two, you're saying number line number one is the ground. Okay, so then what do you call line number two? I think you said result or something like that. Okay, the three dots, that means it's the, it's the consequence or inference of the ground. Okay, so you have ground and then, and then the uh, statement that the ground supports, okay? Or the ground and the three dot kind of inference or uh, the, yeah, I like the three dots because I was in discrete math, you know, that's what we used in that class. But it's supported by the preceding. So in other words... If I were to say to you, look, you need to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, you could say to me, what is the ground of that statement that you've just given to me? Yeah, why? Why do I have to do that? <laughs> okay, well, then you turn around and say, well, the previous verse says because, this is why, because God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So I assume that you want grace from God, right? Right? You don't want his resistance. So if you want God's grace, then you will humble, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Okay, now, that's, that's good. So you see how you've had to puzzle already for two or three minutes just to figure this out. Let's go to the next one. So what is the relationship then between two and three? So we've got our, you know, therefore, okay, we're going to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Verse 3, uh, not, not verse 3, but line 3 says that he may exalt you in due time. Okay, what is the, what is the relationship of line 2 to line 3? Anybody? Kevin. Okay. Okay, so... It's not expressed in a conditional way in the text. So, but, but uh, Kevin is suggesting the meaning is conditional. If you do that, then if you humble yourself, then he will exalt you in due time. But the way that the text states it is not conditional. So I want to set conditional aside. 
you're getting at the meaning of it, but... Okay, somebody has said purpose. That's very good. Did you have... What did you have, Josh? So it's an action... It's an action or a statement that comes with a purpose or a result. Now, let's think. What is the difference between purpose and result? We said it when we studied this last week and a little bit today. Uh, I wouldn't say exactly it's conditional, but you're, I think you're getting at the idea. Remember earlier when I said sometimes we have a purpose for something, but that purpose isn't doesn't come about, but when, we ha- when there's something that's stated as a result, that result is or has come about. See that? So a, purpose, a result is what happens, and a purpose is an intended result. You with me? My purpose in, I don't know, my purpose in asking for a submersible pump yesterday was to empty out this hole in the ground of water. Now, that purpose may or may not come to pass. The pump may not show up. The pump may clog. The uh, electrical cord may not be long enough. Uh, I got a thumbs up back there, so something good must be happening. Uh, So hopefully the purpose will turn into a, the the intended result or a purpose will turn into an actual result. Now, is it the case, if you humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Is that going to be a purpose or a result? (laughs) Now we stop and think. It's going to be a result, but as Kevin has suggested, is conditional on... You you can't just say, well, God's going to exalt me. I'm not going to humble myself, but the text says he's going to exalt me in due time. No. (laughs) There's a precursor to that exalting. So... I have said in my notes on this, on this third line here, I've called it a purpose myself because what it seems to me to be doing is saying you need to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Not, because he gives grace to the humble, you want to do that. But your purpose in humbling yourself, you humble yourself. The purpose in doing that is that God may exalt you. Okay, you with me? Now, you might say, well, you should call it a result, and that's why one pastor preaches it one way and another pastor preaches it another way because they're looking at it a little bit differently. They're getting at the meaning, trying to get at the meaning, but you see now the complexity. This is only three lines, and we've spent this much time just thinking about it. Okay? Uh, you're saying if you humble yourselves, then he would exalt you? Yeah, I see. Yeah. The word and was throwing me off there. So, okay, now here's an interesting one as well. Let's go to the next question. What is the relationship of casting all your care to the, to the uh, let, let me say it this way, to... Uh, the relationship of line number four to line number two. Okay, now I'm kind of 
cheating you a little bit or actually giving you a, a help. Because the way I've indented this is suggesting, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, casting all your care upon him, that he may exalt you in due time. I'm almost saying that I could reverse those because the way they're indented is parallel. They each are supporting the therefore humble yourself idea. Okay, So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And let's just skip down to verse 4, casting all your care upon him. What's the relationship between line 2 and line 4 now? Tim, did you have something? No, okay. You are able to hear me okay, are you? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> all right, the relationship between 2 and 4, and we still have our cheat sheet in front of us. Okay, so statement is one of those main top-level ideas or top-level um, sentences. Uh, and so I don't have this as a statement. Maybe we could say for the purposes of our, of our deliberation here, we could make line two the statement and then ask what's the relationship of four, line four, casting all your care to that statement. It's a how you do it. Okay, what's, a, what's, a, what's the word for how that we used here? You, did you say means? Somebody said means? Means or manner, okay? I make a little distinction between means and manner. Means the how you do it, the manner, like your, the manner would be, this is kind of confusing, the manner is your demeanor, Demeanor having the word mean in it, which is like means. Well, it's confusing, but anyway. Motivation? Oh, manner. Yeah, I was, in the example that I used, Jesus looked around at them with anger. That was his manner of looking at them. You know, how did he look at them? Well, he looked at them with his eyes. You know, that was the means by which he saw them. But the manner in which he did it was with anger. I would agree that this is a means uh, clause. That is, it's related to the prior by way or by the relationship of means. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> what have I said when I say that? Anybody? That's exactly right. You ask, you ask, how in the world can I humble myself? But what does that mean? You know, and, then, and then I, or Josh in this case, answers, well, how do you humble yourself as you cast your cares on him? If you take all your cares to yourself, if all you hold all your anxieties to yourself, if you can't sleep all the time because you have all these problems, are you humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God? No, because you're not casting your burdens upon the Lord. Ah, so it's all connected here. So you're proud. You can handle it yourself. You need to handle it yourself. You've got to get it all done. It all rests on you. Well, what about trusting in the Lord? What about waiting for Him? Is that a hand? Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, 
Um, yeah, the, so that for those of you that couldn't hear, the question is, could I indent casting all your care upon him underneath or in farther underneath he may exalt you in due time? So the answer that I would give to that is, have to, to arrive at the answer I would give for that, I would ask myself, does casting, does the participle casting modify exalt or does it modify humble? See that? So since I understand it to modify humble, I want to keep it outdented, if I could say it that way, not indented further. Keep it at that same level. Now, um, what about the last one here? We're running out of time quickly. The last one. Uh, for he cares for you. Okay. That's good. You can cast all your care upon him. Why? See how I said why? What does why indicate? Right? What's the relationship that we have from page one? Yeah, it is a truth, but what is that? What's the relationship of that truth to what comes before it? That's what we're asking. It's itself. So each one of these lines has truth in it. But what's the connection of this truth to this truth? Or this truth to this truth up here? What's the relationship? So if it's, a, if it's the word for, it often is going to be what category? Does anybody have an idea? I didn't hear that. A ground. It could be a ground. Yes. What else could it be? could be perhaps an explanation, but I've got ground for this one, okay? Cast all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. You can trust him. So here, Josh's question may be well asked, and that is, could I indent for he cares for you one more level, you know, half an inch farther to the right underneath casting, I think so. Yeah, I do think so. In fact, in fact, I do that. Well, I sort of do that in my next diagram. Anyway, let me see now. So what I wanted to do next, here's your homework assignment, okay? You didn't think you were getting homework today, but you're getting homework today. Um, I'm going to ask you to take that same text that we have in Numbers 1 through 5, okay? And on the back of page 9, I'm going to ask you to prepare a more detailed diagram that breaks the text down into smaller pieces, what we might call a diagram to the clause level, okay? So let me give you an example. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. That's a... That's a lot. You can take that and divide it up into at least two lines, okay, related to one another. You see, God resists the proud. This is how I would start. God resists the proud, but, put but on the next line, he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves, and then there's a prepositional phrase. You see that? Under the mighty hand of God. So put that down and indented underneath, humble yourselves. Where are you humbling yourself? 
under the mighty hand of God. See, we've just put it all, right, for this exercise, we just put it all in one big line and just ignored the relationships within that line. Are you with me? We've just had five lines, but you could actually make this into 10 or more lines and ask yourself, what is the relationship of all these parts and pieces to one another? And in doing so, you're going to get a lot of profit by thinking through this text even more carefully than what we have today. I hope you don't think this is being, um, I don't know what the word is, overly analytical or pedantic or something like that. This is the kind of thing that God's word is worthy of because really all we're doing is we're saying, okay, I'm reading slowly and I'm asking what does the Lord say and what is the relationship between all these things that he said and we've gotten some profit out of that. So let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for the time we've had to share the word. I pray that you'd help us to ingest it and come back and spend a little more time together on it next week as you would will. And uh, pray for your people to be interested and excited about looking at the word and seeing what can be learned from it. In Jesus' name.